now be tackling questions that have come through on our Advent series. So Sam, what did we look at on Sunday? Yeah, thanks Candy. Hello everybody. It's good to be with you. Um, yes, we've, been, we've spent the last four weeks uh, doing an Advent series, or three weeks actually, last three weeks doing an Advent series, looking at how um, the coming of Jesus fulfills so much of God's Old Testament promises and then looking ahead to the fact that we too, like God's people in the past, are, are also waiting for the coming of Jesus. Um, and in particular, on Sunday, we were looking at the promise that was made back in uh, Micah chapter 5, one of the um, minor prophets in the Old Testament who makes a huge promise of the coming of a king who will be born in, in Bethlehem, who will overcome God's enemies and win a great victory and shepherd the sheep of God's flock, shepherd God's people uh, towards a, a wonderful time of peace and relationship with God. And that's that's the great promise of Micah mm-hmm. chapter 5. That's... Uh, the promise that Jesus' own birth um, fulfills and uh, and also one that we are still looking forward to, to that final day when Jesus uh, sort of seals that victory once and for all. And so that was the shape of, of Sunday's Yeah, sermon. I found it really helpful. It was really great, Sam, hearing you sort of break down the passage and hearing that, you know, we've heard about this ruler who is from Bethlehem, whose origin is of old and mm. all the things we learn mm. and we see that fulfilled in Jesus. So it's been very great to kind of see Jesus in HD color (laughs) absolutely Old Testament yeah Uh, we've got three questions for this episode of the extras the first one is about the word Advent so this Mm. person saying does it connect at all with the word adventure you know um, Advent means coming adventure is more about going what's going on great question Um, so Advent comes out of a a Latin word uh, well two Latin words actually Um, so ad which is the little word for to to go towards something or to something and um, venera, which is the verb to come. So advent is to come. Um, yeah. So quite a simple kind of phrase there. And it is actually where our word adventure co- um, comes from. It's a- adventurous is actually one of the Latin forms of, of that, that uh, word, advenera. And uh, it, it's thinking about something that is about to come, a, an exciting thing that's about to happen. And so an adventure is a, uh, we use it as a, you know, a journey or an experience that, is, that we're about to set off on. Um, something that is to come, and so yeah, there is a connection there. Um, but that's a, that's as simple as the word is. It's just Advent to come, and we talk about the coming of Jesus. You could perhaps talk about Jesus coming as a as a as a grand adventure, uh, something that Jesus uh, sets out to do. He 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 comes, uh, and he comes as a savior. He comes to die. He comes to reconcile the world. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of uh, we call that whole world etymology, understanding where our words come from um, in English, back from their roots in. In other languages. Mm, there you go. Um, second one is, who was the ruler at the context of the time mm. to bring Israel out of Assyrian rule? Um, because this is talking about um, the background of Micah. You yep. know, we talked about the foreign invasion. Yep. And then we talked about, um, you, was, you, was, you know, is this all just pointing to Jesus? Yep. Because that's kind of what we looked at in the mm. sermon. Is there immediate application for the people of that time? Really helpful. Um, appreciate the question. Uh, the short answer is yes, there is a, uh, a, ref- a, a, a particular person that is in mind. So it might be helpful to, in order to answer it, to zoom out and talk a little bit about the context of what was going on, which I did a bit of on Sunday. And one of the things that you sort of uh, wrestle against as a preacher is, uh, you know, you get a 30-minute slot each week and how much of the, how much of the story <laughs> <Yes>. can you do? <laughs> let um, me give you a one-hour lecture on the well, Assyrian one, invasion. That's yeah. right. You, you could do that. But let me, let me see if I can give you a, a potted summary of what was going on. So in Micah's day, at the start of Micah's um, time as a prophet of Israel, um, a king by the name of Ahaz is on the throne 
of Jerusalem. Now, remember at this time in Israel's history, uh, after Solomon's reign, the kingdom splits in two. And so you have a northern king and a southern king, a king over, uh, and the north is called Israel. The south is sort of also called Israel, but often called Judah. Um, and uh, uh, the, the northern kings typically, as you're, as, I mean, I'd encourage you to read this. You can read it through one and two kings, one and two chronicles. You just read the progression of rulers who, who rule. In the north, they tend to be mostly evil kings who don't follow the Lord, who uh, turn away from the Lord and his ways and lead the people to do the same. In the south, where Micah is based in Jerusalem, um, it's a bit of a mixed bag. You get some good kings and some bad kings. Ahaz, who's the king at the start when Micah begins his prophecy, is not a good king. Um, He, in fact, looks up to the kings of Israel and thinks, I want to be like them. That's who I want to be. And so you can read about him in 2 Kings chapter 16. Um, And let let me give you this, the little summary that the writer in 2 Kings gives us. He says, um, uh, Ahaz was 20, this is 2 Kings 16 verse 2. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, so a young guy, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, that's the northern kings, and even sacrificed his son in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So that's a little clue. He worshipped Moloch, that's who you um, sacrifice your kids to, so that's that's as bad as it gets. Uh, and then you keep going, he offers sacrifices, burns in, incense on the high places, on the hilltops, under every spreading tree. Anywhere you could do idolatry, Ahaz was up for it. Mm. Um, so not good. And what we find is that during his time, if you keep reading Two Kings, that's when the Assyrians start their march uh, toward, through Israel and they destroy the north. Uh, and then uh, we read of this great king, if you skip over to Two Kings 18, who's uh, a king called Hezekiah who does come and uh, actually repel the Assyrians. Um, And in particular, he, uh, more than just his military stuff, although I'll tell you about that in a minute, he is a a God-honoring king. He worships the Lord. He undoes much of his father's uh, evil practices in idolatry. And so there is a purifying sense in in terms of the Micah 5 prophecy. He purifies the people and they worship the Lord. Uh, He does stand firm against the king of the Assyrians, but... He's not perfect, so he doesn't. Um, he, he still pays tribute to the Assyrian king to kind of pay him off, you know, um, send some gold his way. And um, but then the Lord is very gracious, and the angel of the Lord, you read this at the end of Two Kings eighteen, comes down and basically destroys the invading army um, as they stand outside the gates of Jerusalem. Yeah, I think you get that in Isaiah, don't you? Sort of in the middle section. Yeah, it's in Isaiah. Get... It's quite it's quite a good little read. Um, yeah. You read the the threats of the military commander um, Sennacherib is his name, yeah. and he comes down, and then the angel of the Lord just comes through and wipes out that army, and. Uh, uh, the south are saved now so there is a victory that is won interesting hezekiah really doesn't lift a finger the lord does it yeah. um but you never get the sense of you know micah 5 promises a king who will actually go into the enemy's stronghold and it will actually um, destroy the enemy at, at its roots and yeah. hezekiah repels the enemy but he's not he's not the ultimate fulfillment of the micah 5 prophecy so you can see glimpses of goodness in hezekiah but he's not He's not the one that Micah 5 ultimately looks to, um, which is Jesus. And that's often the way with these Old Testament promises that you see in human history, someone who fulfills part of the promise and there's a, there's a partial fulfillment in, in this world. And, but then there is an ultimate fulfillment that he's looking forward to, which, you know, obviously as we come to the Gospels, 
um, Matthew and Luke are both just going, hey, it's the Micah 5 guy, yeah. look, here he is. Um, and we see in, in that victory the... Um, it's too huge anyway. Like, you know, it's from ancient of days in verse 2, yeah. verse 5, he shall be their peace. Yeah. You know, like that's a very big, big thing promise. to promise. Big promise. That's it. Um, and Hezekiah just doesn't quite deliver it. Correct. You know? um, yeah. Yeah. He, and, he, you know, he doesn't... It says, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Mm. That was not Hezekiah. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Sam, we're talking about a New Testament passage here. We're talking about... Um, you know, Jesus saying that he will build his church. Yep. Now we're looking at Matthew 16 verses 18. And in some sense, we kind of did already cover this in the podcast. If you want more details, um, Peter had covered this earlier when we we're doing our Matthew series. Yep. But just looking at that passage, it's often misinterpreted by the Catholic church to support apostolic succession and the infallibility of the Pope. Mm, yeah. Yep. So what does it actually mean? Yeah, sure. If, it, if we're saying it does support that, it doesn't support that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think Peter has, has talked to this um, in a previous episode, if you want to go back through the through the history of the episodes and look for when we were doing Matthew 16. But a short answer here, um, so it's verses 17 and 18 um, that, we're, that we've got in view. And in particular, Jesus makes the comment in verse 18. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And so the question is, what's the rock? Now, the Catholic Church would say it's Peter as the first, as the first Pope of Rome. Um, that's the rock that we'll build the church on and uh, sort of read that as, therefore, the sort of apostolic succession idea. Um, I'm not convinced of that. I, I take it that the rock um, that... Uh, Jesus is referring to is actually what's just happened in verse 16 which is that uh, or verse 15 Jesus said who do you say I am and Peter says you're the Christ the son of the living God the Messiah you know Um, and Jesus says yes that's exactly who I am and on this rock I will build my church which I take it is um, Jesus is promising to build his church on um, people's confession of Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, the apostolic. Like, would you say it's also it's in terms of the confession of Christ? Yeah, I think that's right. That as Peter recognizes Jesus for who he is, that's the that's the foundation of the, of the church's um, kind of uh, unstoppable nature that that is in view here. That um, that for those who who realize like Peter did that Jesus is the Christ. Um, mm. That's that's the basis of the church. Um, I think a helpful passage could potentially also be 1 Corinthians 3, sure. um, where it talks about, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So it's talking about the building of the church yeah. and the foundation of the church Being is Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's yeah. right. And I think that's what, we, I think that marries up beautifully with what's going on here, that Jesus says, you're the Christ, you're it, you know. And, Peter, yeah, uh, Peter's confessing him. Yeah, yeah, and Jesus says, that's the foundation that we're going to build everything on as, uh, yeah. As Jesus being the Christ, that's the foundation. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, in in some sense, um, talking of, like it's good to sort of read the whole of the Bible and see mm. where other parts of the Bible talks about the foundation of the church. Mm. Um, yeah. So we hope that that's been helpful. Yeah. Uh, Christmas is coming up this Sunday. It what is. What passage will we be preaching on, Sam? We're in a few different places. Um, I can tell you where I am on Christmas Eve. I'm doing Luke chapter mm. two, um, which um, I'm excited about. Um, which actually also plays into the the Micah uh, five prophecy. Talks about Bethlehem. Um, 
I've been doing that in the Radiant Dawn yeah. um, Advent devotions, which yep. I've really enjoyed. Yeah. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I, I think that's where... I actually don't know, Sunday daytime, I'm not doing any of that preaching stuff. <laughs> My head's not in that. I, I don't know what's being preached on Sunday day, but it'll be Christmas, it'll be Jesus, it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope that... Um, God has enabled you to have people that you're able to invite along to come on Sunday or on the Christmas Eve service. I mean, there's something on even um, as we are filming, which is on tonight. Mm. Um, so that was going to be good with the kids um, program. Yeah, big carols, kids event. It should be an excellent time. Yeah. Uh, we are going to take a break next week across um, between Christmas and New Year's and we'll come back in the new year with a bumper episode. So thanks for listening. See you later. See ya.